All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, gorgeous. Hi. There she is. is that how you say it? It oh, is how it guys. is how you say it. Yeah, you, 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 you I said it right. You're, you're the first person to get her name right, and Lai has been everything. Lysol, <laughs> Leroy, she's been everything to every guest. Leia, you, you guessed it, one of Princess Leia. Yeah. Wow. Yes. This is gonna be a good Hi, episode. Everybody. What's going on, Miss Melba? How, how are we you? alive and well. Good to be here. Yeah, good to be here. Good to have you here. Great to have you here, too. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Questlove, host of Questlove Supreme. What can I say? Well, first of all, Team Supremers, hello. What up? Hi, Maya. And Steve and Ponticolo. Yeah, that's uh, an unpaid bill somewhere, paying his bills. Um, I got to say that this interview is a long time coming. Uh, Once again, I always say that we're honored to be in the presence of royalty but this is definitely the case for that episode for this episode um melba moore you know uh what can i say broadway actress she was in the original hair hair the original <laughs> hair with ronnie dice so many questions uh she is a tony award winner for pearly i even saw her in y'all might not remember this but in 78 timbuktu was a big deal. I saw Timbuk 2, her and Eartha Kitt, I think the first week it came out. My mom Ow. took me to see Timbuk 2. Oh. Um, not to mention her music career, signed to a Neil Bogart's legendary Buddha Records in the early 70s, soon to Epic Records, and then, of course, in the 80s, her legendary run on Capitol Records, uh, having discovered and been involved in with so many greats, including uh, one of our favorites, Freddie Jackson, managing his career, mm-hmm. um, not to mention movies, just everything so legendary about this guest. Please welcome to our show, finally, Queen Melba Moore. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank oh, you, guys, thank, thank you, thank you, you thank so you. much, everybody. I am so excited to be here with you all. Well, how do you remember all that? I'm a fan of yours. <laughs> oh, I, I heard you was one of them geniuses. That's what I heard about. No, no, no. I'm just 
It's the Look, word on the you know, street. This, this, <laughs> this is my my platform is nothing but just the having the best seat in the house and interviewing people that you know excite me. I'm you know I I didn't I I guess I became friends with you because you would always come to uh you know are always on our DJ gigs your D nice's uh DJ gigs of mine as well and got to know you I'm still do your jazz set one day actually wait I just did your jazz oh dang I forgot to tell you <laughs> I finally did your jazz set yesterday <laughs> you asked oh, me dang. to put a jazz set together and uh, wow I finally I finally uh got one together like last week it went, you know we shot this way later but Yes, I finally got one together. Thank you. So how are you? Were you right? Are you still a New Yorker? Like what part of the yes. world are you? I'm in? just, but, but I'm in West New York, New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that part of New York. Yes. The Jersey part. Yes. I feel like everyone still New in York. Jersey. Yeah. 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 True. True. New Yorkers live in Jersey. I, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> well, now listen, I blame Newark, New Jersey too. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what, where were you, were you always in New York or where were you born? I was born in New York. Yes. Okay. What part? Uh, Harlem hospital. <laughs> hey. Oh, okay. You're a Harlem Knight. No, I lived on uh, 108th street. So it's like two blocks below Harlem. I'm always okay. on the cusp of everything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Almost, almost there, but not quite there. Okay. Yes. I see that. I guess in your well, in your beginnings, what what was your 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 childhood into? At least musically, did you grow up in a musical family? Where you, I know that your parents were also like singers as well. Like, what was your childhood like? I I have it in my genes. Um, you might know who Teddy Hill is, do you? Wes? I know this name. I know that, the name. It's Teddy way Hill. before your time. I don't mean that, but yeah, no, I, know I you. study. You, I, I know you, you are walking encyclopedia, so you might know. <laughs> I know the name Teddy Hill, but I'm not yes. familiar with all of his. So well, that's was, your father, correct? He was a very famous big band leader. People like Dizzy okay. Gillespie and those folks played in his band. Well, that's okay. my natural father, but he didn't marry my mother. So my mother was a professional singer. Mm. Okay. Okay. So um, I started out with music in my blood, but. You know, a strange family. My grandmother had stroke, so she didn't speak. So I don't really know my, my family history. My mother's from um, Pipe Shop, Alabama. Didn't nobody ever hear that, right? Mm-hmm. You know about Birmingham, but you don't know about Pipe Shop. <laughs> pipe Shop. Okay. Really? Don't sound like I want to go. Right. <laughs> Everybody's no. from there. Right. <laughs> they don't stay there. They don't stay. Uh, 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 so as I started out my life really with a... A disjointed, broken family, like many African American people did. But then my mother married my stepfather, who was a piano player, and they worked together. So, so when I moved to Newark, because he's he, he was from Newark, I then had a stepsister and a stepbrother. Later on, two more um, blood, you know, half blood brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, um, Daddy made us all take piano lessons. So that's when um, I found out I could sing. About, well, I was already 10 years old. I mean, when you're the instrument and you're born into it, you expect like you're going to start singing about three or four years old because the instrument is already there. So it really started late. That's my point. I guess I'm trying to make. So for you, starting at that age was late to you in your, in your mind? Like, Well, I mean, usually when people have a voice, by the time they're three or four years old, they can sing. Okay. 
Is that what happened with your mom? Because y'all have similar voices in a way. I was listening to her. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. yeah. I guess you said quest. You want to know what you want to know what is your question, right? No, 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 no. I, well, I, I really want to know. I know that also in Newark, um, especially in that time period, the legacy that Newark had as far as its singers are concerned, I know that oh. Sissy Houston was around there and at the time and the Warwick sisters and whatnot. Like, as, as far as the the musical rich, richness of of Newark, what was the environment like back then? Um, well, there, there were lots of... Music bars, clubs with with uh, bands and okay. combos. Um, later on, there were still continue to be and um, people like Rhoda Scott and these great organ players were in these clubs all the time. Uh, of course, we, we also had um, concerts and um, it was just very very rich. I mean, to the point too where. Um, by the time it was time for me to go to high school, I already decided. I didn't know if I could have any real talent, but I wanted to be involved. I wanted to be in music. So I went to music and art high school. What high school was that? Arts High. Okay. So there, there was like a performing arts high school. Arts yeah. high school. Right. Okay. Right. I see. It's like a famous one, right? That's what I was it's not famous like the one in New York. But I can tell you people like Wayne Shorter went there. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, who else went there that was of, of note? Beside, well, Wayne Shorter was one of them. Anyone else? Tons. I can't remember them all now, but tons and tons and tons of like ridiculously talented people. Oh, okay. Like, who were your idols during that time period? Or like, at least what was the... <laughs> who was the person that you looked up to the most? Well, people like Bobby Timmons or Horace Silver. I thought I was going to be a piano mm. player. Oh, wow. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That that was your initial goal? Yeah. Well, because my stepfather was a piano player, and he played really, really well, and he loved piano, and he made everybody around him just fall in love with it. So I thought I could do it, too. So then what was your first moment as in an entry into your profession, at least that moment where you knew that you were going to make this your life calling? Well, after I spent about two or three years um, – teaching vocal music in the public schools of Newark. I -hmm. told my father, I said, this is your dream, Daddy. I do it really well, but I don't want to do it. Would you please introduce me to some of your your people? See, can you get me into the industry as a performer? And if it doesn't work, I'll come back and teach school. So to make a long story a little bit shorter, one of the first people I met was Valerie Simpson. Mm. Some uh, music publishers offered trying to sell her songs already, Mm. you know, at the beginning of her her life and career, because this was like... um, late sixties. And um, we exchanged numbers and she got me involved with studio background singing work and singing jingles. But that was my really? entry into the uh, industry. I, I started, I mean, you know, you, you, if you know Valerie Simpson, if it, she's at the top of her chain. She started out at the top. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Because she's just a genius. What am I going to tell you? Motown. Yes. Yeah. So then would, would you say that acting like, did that come into play before you became a singer? Like, was acting your first foray as, as far as, like, doing plays or whatnot? Heck no. No? I, I just mean, <laughs> I didn't have a clue that that would be in my future. But one of the recording sessions was being performed by Galt McDermott, who wrote the music wow, for the book, wrote the hair. Hair. Mm-hmm. And he, they were still casting for it. And they um, told us, um, if we wanted to cut any of us, 
they had really basically been auditioning us without us knowing it. Right. And if we uh, wanted to, um, they would find a part for all of us in the show. If we would come down and sing for the director and the producer, I was the only one on the day cared about getting into theater. So I got into my first Broadway show that way. So, okay, for our listeners that don't know, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, well, not only that, I know that um, hair was just something out of, you know, out of nowhere and very, uh, well, you know, people think of hair, at least everyone that I know that I saw that saw it in real time told me that basically that was the first time that, you know, open front nudity was such a thing on Broadway. Like how controversial was it then to get involved Very. in how did they talk you guys into it um we were in previews and i don't know someone from the production team came up with the idea and told us well we had to do the nude scene and everybody threatened quit because we didn't have that in mind and was shocking to us and but then when they made it kind of well if you want to do it you can if you don't you don't have to i was curious so i did it mm. mm-hmm. Mm. Every night, every night. Mm. Well, I don't. I don't remember if I did it every night. Right. You can do it if you want to. You don't have to. Can oh, you? Okay. Can you take us through the hair ride? Because I, I read right that you also replaced Diane Keaton, which was like the first time that a black woman had ever done that in theater. But can you? What was the? What was your your actual process in hair in that way? Okay. Well, what happened was I had been in the show for about a year, and they had a lot of different people coming in to, to do the, the lead role of Sheila, and they weren't happy with them, so they kept leaving. And so one of the girls, one of the black girls, excuse me, said, how come y'all don't ever let a black girl try out for? Melba would be great at it. Why don't you let her? Melba, <laughs> why'd she throw you in there? <laughs> this same girl, she was very loud mouth, big mouth young lady. Matter of fact, one, one of the parodies that she played, she played Abraham Lincoln, kind of uh-huh. singing like, the Gettys, uh, Gettysburg dress, but like in rap, like, happy birthday, baby, baby, happy birthday to you. You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Very irreverent. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we did We did a, a production of hair when I was in high school. I played hood, so. Oh, okay. I was, yes. <laughs> I was a male naked? lead. Yes. That's what I'm about to say. Hell no. We weren't naked, man. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't doing that. <laughs> But, you know, it was a very toned down version, but, you know, we did it. But, yeah. But yeah. So she pushed you in front of the bus and then. Well, well what happens, they, they um, I'd like to audition for it. So they rehearsed me in, in the role and uh, a couple of different uh, Saturday matinees. They let me get up and try out for them. That's how I got the role. Was that your first play or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, didn't, I had no theater background. Oh, really? Man. Wow. You know black people is musical? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... Well, I'm talking about back in the day. We, we we're allowed to do anything you know, now. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Well, so many legends came from that production. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. What was it like? Well, because I, you know, I, you know, for a lot of my favorites that I grew up listening to, when I was a kid in the 70s, like, you couldn't find out much about them. I mean, I've always heard about Ronnie Dyson. And how incredible he was as a singer, but, you know, he really didn't get that much press. No, no. There was no press for black people during that time, except Jet Magazine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, besides Ronnie Dyson, was there anyone else notable that was in 
there, there were several. Like, um, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, yeah, Ben Vereen. Wait a minute. Um, wow. Donna Summer. Wow. That's uh, right. I forgot Donna Summer. Okay. Was it? Yeah. How long was it until was Pearly was uh, immediately after or? Immediately after. <laughs> immediately after. <laughs> because that same big mouth black girl. Yeah. I can say her name is Mary Davis. I always remember Mary. Mary she said, Mommy, you, you've been in this play a long time. You need to start blowing up the thing. She said, you don't even know how to audition. Why don't you just see if you can learn how to audition? You don't even know how to audition. And she told me about auditions for Pearly. And she told me I had to do what they call typecasting. I said, well, Mary, what is that? He said, well, you learn something about the character. And you try to look at the character. And, of course, the character was a backwoods illiterate uh, maid but that's what that's who I was raised by because we I had what we called a governess or, or a nanny because mm. my mother was a single parent and she was gone and she was she was a backwoods cotton chopper so like most Americans we had two uh, countries that we identify as mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. our, um, and so country was mine can you talk about the, those pearly days? I'm sorry, Amir, because my yeah. I was just I was just talking to my dad who comes from New York around that time and used to party with y'all. You don't know him, that's fine. But he was saying that the parties around pearly and uh, one of the lead dancers who had two homes, one for the artist, I think, and one for himself, was like just like you've never seen before. Pearly, pearly, the cast, oh, the okay. cast parties and whatnot, and the oh, good times. Yeah, they they were great. They really were. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all you can say. It's all you can say, Carmel. <laughs> well, no, I could say more, but perhaps I shouldn't. Oh, that I means you it. should. A I, lady, yeah, you know. <laughs> a, lady, a lady don't say. <laughs> if you don't tell us, we'll never know the history. Is all. Well, uh, I'll tell you um, who was in the chorus, and he he, you know, showed me like what the Tony Awards are about, and told me that I had you know have a formal gown with George Faison. Yes, oh, your birthday is today. You know him, you know he's crazy, right? Yes, yes, love him. Yes, the choreographer for, of The Wiz, everybody. Yes. Right, yeah. yes. Right, right. and uh, um, Sherman Hemsley. Oh, party. Wow. Sherman Hemsley was it's in party. party. <laughs> <laughs> hey. oh, that's all you had to say. We already, we already heard about Sherman. So. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he thought he was Carmen McRae, okay? Wow. Wow. He thought he was coming. Yeah, that's, that's how it was. Oh my God, I love yeah. it. I love it. They, y'all seem, sometimes y'all just seem so much more free then, sometimes in here. We're just a little bit more uptight. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, so I was free. Talk <laughs> <laughs> about stage left, stage right. I said, well, what is that? <laughs> I mean, I and that was your that. second audition. No, no, your first audition. That's her first audition. My first audition, audition, my second play. <laughs> so how how shocked were you to get uh, a Tony for Pearly? <laughs> I've seen it on tape, but I don't remember half of it because it was just too shocking. Wow. It was too shocking. Let me see what you wore because I know it was fierce. <laughs> I was in costume because we performed. Oh, that's right. Ah, okay. I remember the lights were on because, you know, it was television. Yeah. So I could see Pearl Bailey and Rex Harrison and these people. Hmm. But I don't know what I did. I didn't know where I was supposed to be or what the categories were. So I thought they had already called my category. And there was a gentleman, his name is an actor named Jack Jones. And he was doing a lot of the 
um, announcing and, and saying what categories. I was confused, but he was always drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so you thought he had got it wrong? You thought he was drunk and called no, the name back? No, he did get it wrong. What? Oh, wow. Because he said somebody else's first name and my last name. And the whole audience started yelling, no, never more, never more. <laughs> I said, oh, my God, what's going on, you know? It was shocking to me. Wow. Are your parents still with us at this point when you bring your Tony? Yes. What, yes. What did they, I mean, what did they think? Well, my dad was really glad that he didn't insist that I kept teaching school. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't too happy about the nude scene in hair. Oh, in that part. Yeah. But they were so very, your parents were more like fall back on something that's yes. secure and not. Get, I was about to say, by this point, do you at least have like a manager? Or are you like, OK, I'm going to go no. full throttle. And no. So you just like, oh, I got lucky. I got one play and then oh, I got another play and I won this Tony. So after that, <clears throat> I think I, I got an agent after that. Uh, OK, I because, so. but, because then, you know. Our television show came along. Um, I, I was working at all the best supper clubs, like the Palmer House in Chicago and the Waldorf Astoria in New York. And, you know, these, so they had to be negotiated. So I, I got an agent then. So explain to, um, to us, like, exactly when you say a supper club, what was that type of entertainment venue like? Beautiful, fancy club. Let, let me see. You know the, the city wineries? Yes, ma'am. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. City winery, yeah. We played City Winery before. Something like that. Very classic, okay. very, very, you know, and you have dinner, you have supper. You have dinner, gotcha. Yeah, and you, you could have a big orchestra or a small ensemble, but the top entertainment. Okay, got it. And you I wear see. a gown. Mm, I was thinking of clothes. <laughs> Excuse me if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I love this business. What can I tell you? <laughs> it loves you back. Yeah. So... Uh, your um, recording career, I know that um, you got signed in, I think, in in 70s, but uh, I made a mistake. Neil, uh, Buddha wasn't your first label, right? No, Mercury was, because I, I got that, um, I guess, in the early, yeah, early 70s, while I was still in Pearly. Yeah, okay. that was my first. I've, I've looked what you're doing to the man. I think that was, what, 71? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I I got that as a result of early. I got um, I mean I got a recording uh offer as a lead singer, you know, as a mm. solo artist for the first Wait, time. Wait, so even then it's not like by the time you get a record deal, surely by this point you're fully operational business. I should hope so. Well, not if you don't know the business. <laughs> Yikes. How wait, how can one navigate without of, well, you know, at least in today's terms, you know, it's like everything has to be in place, like your manager, your tour managers, your social media manager, your business right. manager, da, 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 da. But back then, it just none of that ever occurred. No, like, I, no, I think it was more structured then than it is now. You can be almost be a one man band now and, you know, um, do your own media. You can Because there's a lot of things that you can kind of outsource, I might call it. There, right. it was very kind of a systematic, and especially being a black woman, somebody had had to go before you negotiate these things. I mean, the only reason I was even talked about being allowed into these uh, um, venues was because it became it came through theater, which essentially was white. Not essentially, it was white. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember seeing Patty LaBelle on Tonight Show, and they weren't going to let her sit down, but the people wouldn't let them <laughs> let her go. Wow. Because it, it's, you know, systemic racism. So you had to have some kind of a uh, um, management team to, to carry out those. I mean, the office can't do it, but they had to go through somebody, you know? Because it wasn't it still, that's funny, because I was sitting here thinking, like, but you came from a family full of musicians, but yet and still, they're Black musicians. So business right. was, was never right. Yeah. So it's not like you could look to them and be like, well, what should I do? When There's still a level still, of information right. that's withheld from us. Yeah. Right. And then you're still, you're evolving because you're in a place where they've never gone. And so it's like. Precisely. Right. That's ill. The one, the one album in, in your, uh, your arsenal that I'm fond of is uh, Peach Melba, uh, which came out in 75. First of all, before I ask you anything, um, <laughs> I got to know, during the height of Lean On Me-itis, and not Bill Withers' Lean On Me, but <laughs> Melba Moore's Lean On Me, um, if, if, you were, if you were alive and aware uh, at the time when the song was at its height in the 70s, most people will know that you hold a note for at least a good 30 seconds. I'll say longer than <laughs> longer than Bill Withers singing day on lovely day. Yeah. And I used to, I used to actually try to, and, and you would do this song often. You, I've seen you do it on the tonight show. I've seen you, even when you did it, when you did it live, you held a note longer. And I just never knew a person that could hold one note for like almost 50 seconds. Did you, did you regret having to do that every time? Like I almost felt like it it was, it was its own Olympic comp, like competition, like the duration of holding that note. Like it was fun. And for me, it was an athletic activity. It was something that was, it wasn't always there. Everything that I've done, able to do it seemed like I had to work 25 times harder than other singers I had to go jump rope boat swim hmm. dog you know uh, and do my vocal study um holler and scream and yell and everything and then after a while the um the stamina grew to the point where one day I remember I was singing this song climb every mountain for some little group you know, in a nursing home or somewhere I don't know <laughs> right and I took one of big 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 breath and I said you know, let it out, and it kind of went over across the room. You know, it's through, traveled, uh-huh. and um, I was strong enough so that I was sitting, standing there holding it, but I wasn't so conscious that I was doing it. And I said, well, well, "Oh, wait a minute, that's me!" So I kept holding it. I said, "Well, I wonder if I could always do that." And then I started to develop stamina to do it, and it's just become something that I'm so grateful for and happy about, and. Now I understand, like, well, I can't eat everything and do this. That's why what I call an athletic activity. Now, I can't go and have no Jack Daniels. I can't have no, no fried chicken. <laughs> what? Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. 
The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. So what is what is what is your uh regimen as far as keeping your 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 muscle intact because again to to hold it for that strong and that much vibrato over 40 seconds is not normal. I, I thought it was some it's not. Kenny G <laughs> cheating method where you <laughs> do the wrong breathing. Uh, breathing. No, somebody somebody says circular breathing. I said I'm not a horn. Yeah, I, I thought you were circular breathing because you know, wait on me. And what do you yell at the end of the song? Oh, you oh. that was a top. Like, what are you talking in tongues? Like, what's of course, okay. <laughs> I never knew what you yelled at the end of that. Yeah, that song. was a whole topic. On a, I forget what show we were doing, but some we talked about that. So, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I think the the, the last times that I've been doing it is it's evolving to make it so it's make it come. Oh uh, make it come. Okay. <laughs> when you're a five year old listening to that, I thought you were doing some <laughs> sort of taekwondo I never heard of before. I do want to hear the answer to that question though, because you, you never what is your prep when it comes to your voice? 
a lot of baked chicken, you know, or you know, lean protein. I know you think chicken is a gospel bird, but it is. Yes. <laughs> what? Because I just thought you were going to say no dairy or okay. Well, no dairy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no fried foods, no oil, you know, no, um, what? Not a coconut? A lot, a, lot of, a lot of fish, you know, vegetables. But then I got to work out. And I think the swimming helped. Mm. I w- I've always loved swimming. And just I thought it was a Scorpio water sign. It's not, is it? No, Scorpio is that water sign. No, it's, it, they walking on the on the desert. So they well, I be walking too. <laughs> 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 I'm in mountains. Yeah. Um, aerobic exercises, things that make you breathe hard. Mm-hmm. You build it. up the lung capacity. Mm. Um, I was curious to know the producer for Peach Melba was uh, Eugene McDaniels. Mm-hmm. And to hip hop, to my generation, he means something <laughs> totally different. But um, what was it like working with him? I, I've never really heard stories of, you know, what he was like in the studio and his you know, creative process. What was what was that like? I went and stayed with him and his wife at his home oh, uh, wow. up, okay. up in the California hills. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I'm very, what do you call it? Um, I'm affected by my environment. And he, he lived way up in, it was probably thin, so I was affected. I, know, I, I sound, to me on, on that Peach Melba album, I sound different. Or like, I'm in another zone. Mm-hmm. That's how, Gene McDaniels to me is like that. Were you, were you aware of his, um, kind of his, at least at the time in 75, his, his controversial political... Um, heroes. <laughs> Yeah, like stance with the government. I know that the story was that um, when his second album came out, Headless Heroes of the Apocalypse, um, Spiro Agnew kind of placed a call to Ahmet Erdogan and kind of had him blackballed, you know, had his musician's uh, union card revoked. So thus he was kind of left to make a living as a singer-songwriter. So thus he worked on... Your record, no. uh, Roberta Flex, uh, Blue Lights in the Basement. Like, oh, that's the time. What did he lean on the side of, Amir? What did he lean on the side of? Was he the, the big C word? Or? Well, no, no, no. Uh, not even that. I think just, I think it was rare for an artist to just, you know, the way that we call out the government now on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, and that Instagram. happened back Right. Okay. Like his albums were Twitter. You just didn't hear of black people like just blatantly call the government's li- you know liars or yeah. the, the, that stuff. And he okay. had it in for Nixon to the point that you know uh, the Nixon administration just did all they could to silence him, and uh. he couldn't. He lost his record deal. So you know him not if he didn't write. That's the time I feel like making love to you. Then that would have been. Yeah. That would have been curtains for him. Um, wow. But, I mean, he produced uh, people in the, in the meantime. They couldn't stop him from producing other people. So I just wanted to know, like, just as a as a human being, like, was he kind of bitter what the government was doing to him or he just... I, I never heard him speak anything about his politics. I, okay. Well, uh, that's why I thought he was kind of, you know, kind of, up in ethereal like me. <laughs> Sweet and gentle. And, okay. And, uh, okay, and, You know, but he was, uh, no, I didn't know anything about his politics. First time I actually heard of it. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. okay. 
So were you aware that at the time when you made the record, um, did you meet the kids that did Sunshine Superman with you? Um, no, I, I didn't. I'm certain that people have reminded you that uh, Wendy Melvoin of uh, Wendy and Lisa, Prince and the Revolution, the Revolution. Yeah. and her twin sister, Susanna, were the background singers on uh, uh, Sunshine Superman. So I probably knew it around that time, but I don't remember hearing about it. Oh, you didn't know it. it at the time? Oh, okay. No. I see. <laughs> Um, you also, at least uh, two albums later, you worked um, uh, with Van McCoy. Uh, I know he produced the, Do the, the This Is It record. What was yeah. what was that like? <laughs> he put me in disco. <laughs> I was going to say, how can you describe what it's like to every every artist I see uh, that was recording in the seventies? Disco was more like a kind of like that film and Louise uh, mountain jump. Like, can we make it to the other side or, or are we going to fall <laughs> underground? Like, what were your thoughts on on conquering that? And, you know, I know Neil Bogart was your was your president at the time. Yeah. At Buddha. Like, what was he like as a. Not not much is said about Neil Bogart's time at, at Buddha and at Casablanca. I know that. A lot of his artists were like, you know, colorful and he really I guess you could say he was like the original Diddy, almost to the point where he was just as famous as his artists were. As his label, yeah. 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 What what was he like as I I met him, I knew who he was, and he was very, very uh, famous. But I really didn't have an awful lot to do with that because by that time I had good management. So Uh, they were the ones that actually um went out and got Van and they and the label got Van McCoy for me. And uh, put us together. Then, then he and I, you know, worked on what we were going to do and try to establish me as a recording artist and, and help me develop a, a style and you know an identity. I didn't have. Yes, I did. I had the note then. I did. Yeah. <laughs> what I was interested in, uh, Ben McCoy for. I mean, he he gave me this is it, which put me into the disco. Um, I mean, or the dance dance. Uh, genre but right. i knew he had written mean on me oh, okay. aha. and the oh, so- he wrote lean on me yeah that's so weird i, I can't imagine van mccoy writing any non-up-tempo he wrote lots of ballads he's a very prolific songwriter so that's how it it reached you well no <laughs> oh well tell me <laughs> I, how I mean, reached- yes but no I had heard my um, favorite artist, Miss Aretha Franklin, singing. And okay. I knew I couldn't sing like her. But the lyrics and everything just moved me so much, I started singing it. So I developed my own little arrangement of it with the, with the long note. I and mean, I think the long note came in there because I was just so excited and so trying so hard to express something. Mm-hmm. And then once it had presented itself, and I... <clears throat> came in, in contact and touch with uh, Finn McCoy. I made him do my arrangement of Lean On Me. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Dope. Um, you also uh, worked with McFadden Whitehead. Um, I'm a Philadelphian, so like any of those guys that are in the arsenal of under the umbrella of Gamble and Huff and yes. Dexter Wanzell and, you know, Tom Moulton, like all, all those guys under the, the Philly umbrella. 
what was it what was it like working with McFadden and Whitehead? Let me see. Well, they produced the uh, Portrait of Melba album. They, uh, yeah. I told you what it was like working with Sherman Hemsley, right? <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, kind of wow. play. You kind of did, but you did. It was like did. that. Yes. Oh, good times. They were crazy. Good. <laughs> <laughs> was crazy. I've heard stories. <laughs> yeah. I've heard Especially stories. John Whitehead. Really? Wow. Philly dudes. I mean, if he walked down the street, strange things happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, how strange! <laughs> Did you record that oh, album in Philadelphia, or was it recorded in New York? Uh, in New York. Okay. We kind of stole them from uh, Philly International. Oh. Um, matter of fact, we were managing my our company, Hutch Production. We're managing Gene and John, and so we were the ones that produced them or managed them to do uh, "Ain't No Stopping Us Now." It wasn't Philly International. You better tell that story. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, you can't just casually, like... <laughs> you better tell it, Miss Moore. Yeah. Kind of borrowed them. So you say the Hus production started in 1976? Well, you remember the years. Well, I, I do. You hadn't been around that time. Yeah, it's been around well, that time. I only, wow. only knew of... I only started hearing of the term Hus Productions... Um, Closer to like your capital work, but I never knew when it when it started. So you got you and your husband got into management. Oh, even so back I could then. have a manager because I didn't have a manager still. Mm. Yet. At a certain point, I had an agent, but by that time, I had already lost my career for the first time. <laughs> by this point, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's unusual for an artist to start a manager. At least you don't hear of that in. The seventies, like it was like a separation of church and states. Like artists were artists and CEOs were CEOs. So what? Right. right. That was so, that was a, that was the case with me. But my then husband was a gifted and was a gifted business person. And when we met, we started. We tried to find a manager for me, but everybody told me, "Well, she's Broadway. She can't do this. She can't do that." I started in the record industry as a backup singer, but so. It, my, my point is that everything that they said I couldn't do, I had already done. So instead of having a stable of artists, we started a stable of managers. Mm. Mm. Brilliant. Oh, okay. So, so once we got me started, then we got Freddie and Kashif and you know, a whole bunch of people. I was wondering what your roster looked like. Can you can you brag some more? What who else was on the roster? Kashif. <laughs> Let's see, um, Melissa Morgan, Lilo. Yeah, you All know. the capital, Bo, was Bo Higgins or Bo, Bo Huggins? Bo Huggins. Bo Huggins. I remember Bo Huggins. I remember uh, Orpheus. I remember was that was that you guys? Orpheus. Yep. Yeah, it was it was a record company. That was a label. Did you yeah. mention Lilo? Lilo Thomas. Lilo. Mm -hmm. Paul. Paul. Um, Paul. Lawrence. She said Lawrence. the Force huh? Force MDs. Force MDs. And Paul Lawrence too. Paul Lawrence. Everybody Ooh, from the 80s. <laughs> now I see how that Freedom Rain came together. Yeah. Okay, we'll get to that okay. later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had okay. music, I bet you then. <laughs> <laughs> what was um what was Kashif like? He was always uh one of those guys that I just really, you know, admired. And um, you know, we I had a music class in college and they made us read like his book, you know, everything you need to know about the mm -hmm. business. And um he was just yeah, what was what was what was he like as as a as a well, person? We became um, well, 
his daughter and his wife and I became real good friends because we put a recording studio in our little building at 231 West 58th Street. Mm-hmm. And when Kashif would come, he would record the stuff in um, our studio. Well, you, you said, what was he like? Mm-hmm. Well, um, he was like a vocal coach. Mm, okay. And the way he stacked the, the background voices, almost like you take individual sounds and, and singers and you put them in different places, not like a background mm-hmm. where he structured everything. And he, um, he was, I guess, a, a perfectionist. Um, and we'll go over one uh, phrase all day till y'all got it. I said, well, good, I'm going to get this. I'm going to learn how to sing. I'm going to have me a hit record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fine with me. You know, I'm a student. I'm a teacher. They're going to have patience with me till I get it. So you're but, not one of those singers that is like, okay, three takes and I feel like it's enough. So let's move on. And No, the, the more I do it, the better I get. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Um, under that, under that production unit, um, so you guys managed Kasif. Did you guys also manage like, uh, well, no, there was, uh, there was Ronnie Harris as well. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we're, yeah. We managed Ronnie. Yeah. Ronnie Harris, like a, a bunch of like tri-state guys that I know that were kind of under the, were they under like Kashif's tutelage or because he had a very. No, unique... like Ronnie was his own entity. It was like, like parallel, another. Okay. Another Kashif. <laughs> I see. Um, yeah, like it, for me, uh, especially the 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 um, about to say somewhere over the the other side of the rainbow album. Uh-huh. That's probably yeah one of my favorite yeah, records. That, that was the one my aunt used to play that record all the time. Is I was I think I was like three when that came out. But I'm I remember. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, you got to apologize. Yeah, was jamming. Now the one with the art is uh, you think of Melba. Did you? No, I was thinking soul exposed. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Did you specifically work with? I just have one question about the the '78 record. Um, because I kn- I knew you did a cover of uh, you stepped into my life. Did right the BG specifically write that for you or? You stepped. The BGs mm-hmm. wrote that for you. No, no, that was I figured that, that, that album was it. Um, well, all those songs are from Saturday Saturday. Uh, she might. I yeah. think Yvonne Element might have done it. Someone else did it, but I I didn't know who did it first. You Bee Gees did it first. Did it first. Okay, I see. And do I you see. get anything every time D Nice plays that record? Because he plays that <laughs> record, and I hear it in my dreams. <laughs> hey, thank you. Yes, he does. Child. It's like a new record. I love it. I'm just. Yeah, well, uh, uh, um, D Nice and all all the DJs, you know, make us rel- relevant. Yeah. Rich. Yeah. yeah. It's dope. Good. That's, that's what we were hoping that you was. Okay, good. So it does yes. matter. It does matter. Okay. Absolutely. Because, you know, God keeps doing it. My daughter told me don't get too religious. But that's, <laughs> nah, it's all you, good. Do what you don't feel. God keeps doing, you know, new things at least every decade or so. And he changes it. And so you've got to change the context. You've got to change the neighborhood. I can't do that. I'm not even a songwriter. Mm. Ooh. I, I but, do you have know, more. like your DJs, first of all, Y'all used to just spin records. Now that's grown into there are uh, uh, songwriters, producers. You you promote shows. You created a genre, so you have some uh, autonomy. You have some authority, mm-hmm. and, and you 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 have created a well, yeah, a, a community. 
Obites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's all black, but mm-hmm. the best ones are. It's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some place to be. Yeah. You yes. know, like in the early days, like especially since uh, somebody like me, my opportunities came through theater. So racist. But what they try to get you to do and you wanted to do was a crossover. But if you do that, you leave your community. Right. And they try to convince you, you don't belong here. You don't belong there. Well, it was too late, thank God, for that, um, to, be, uh, to be convinced of that. So then, you know, we tried to get a, um, a manager and like, when we couldn't do it, then we said, okay, well, why don't we try this? You've done theater, you've done TV, you've done this. So we got somebody from each of those areas. And, sure. and then we said, okay, uh, what kind of music are we gonna do? So, and like I said, uh, my then husband is gifted at business. So mm-hmm. nobody taught him business, but he learned it. Just like many of us Afrocentric people, mm-hmm. you didn't uh, get a chance to go uh, uh, get it, get taught it. Then you learn it some kind of way. You learn it. You know, you have to to learn how things go and create a space for yourself. And you know, they call it R and B. Put you in the back or in the corner, and that turns out to be the foundation of American music skills. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my humble opinion. Right. Now, don't be humble about it. It's the truth. <laughs> There's one question I missed before we skip to uh, Kashif. I always wanted to know this. So you worked with an, another legendary producer, Peter uh, Pete Bilat, uh, Bilotti. Bilotti. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, well, I'd, I'd like to know at least what was the decision in getting him? Pete, Pete Bilotti did... Uh, like a lot of his music, like between him and Giorgio Morora, like right. those guys were like Italian into disco. like yeah. future electronic. Mm. Well, past that, I mean, what yeah. we what we now know is like electronic music. Right. Like those guys were pushing. Well, they were German producers, so sort of in line right. of what Kraftwerk was doing and all that stuff. What was it like working with him? Was the decision to sort of go into sort of like a futuristic dance? mode or like what was it like working with him well yes because we were trying to stay current and uh once again like i said my, my then husband went out and found the, the songwriters and producers who were relevant for the time and seeing where things were going and could we fit into it um they decided they they would work with me and so i co-wrote a lot of the songs that we did together because my then husband told me i should learn how to write yes I just yeah, that, yes <laughs> get your money up yes. yeah the yes, money's yes. in parentheses yeah. <laughs> As he was, he was trying to teach me that year. So did you? I felt like you made the the transition to the eighties. It was for a lot of artists. It was hard transitioning to the eighties, but um, of course, with you know, with your work with with Paul Lawrence and Kashif and and all those cats, those New York cats or Jersey New York cats. Um, mm-hmm. Just what was the what was the environment like at the time? Because. Um, also, like, uh, you know, there's there's Lala, there's like so many so many of these greats that are in the what R and B was at the time. I, what I what I say is with with at least the style of Kashif was um, him being kind of uh, instrumental in the sound of a boogie, which is you know post disco kind of the sound that uh, Leon Silver's ushered in, like that boogie sound. 
Could you explain what the environment in the early 80s was like in New York as far as like that whole crew's concerned, Freddie Jackson, Lala, like all those people? Oh, well, of course, I may be, you know, inarticulate in actually describing, but, my, but it was so much fun. It was so musical. It was like you were exploring a, a place where everything functioned and worked, probably because we were in charge. And, mm. and um, you could negotiate with the record company. I didn't, I didn't but my then husband did. He was good at it. So we were touring. We're, we were um, sending up-and-coming artists. So it was always fresh sounds. And I mean, I'm a musician. So, I mean, that, that was like being in heaven. Mm-hmm. We had fun. We liked each other. You know, we had no problems. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And then, you know, we, there was no lack of, of money or, or, or work. It, it was wonderful. I was happy. My baby was, was you know, I, just, I was a new mother. I, I, I'm I tell you. Jeez. Is, your, um, is uh, your former husband, he's still alive? Him and his brother, yes. are they, they're still alive? Yes. Okay. Are y'all on good terms or how is it, that yes. relationship now? Y'all good? Yes. Yes. That's what's up. We're family. Hate to get religious, but God creates us. So I want to, you know, suck up to the boss. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I see. And our daughter is happy and, you know, coming into her own. So. Yeah. And you got so, an 80s baby, it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. What was the story in developing uh, Freddie Jackson? Like, I, I feel uh, like of, of your state, <laughs> like he was definitely your, your breakout artist. Like, <laughs> what... How did you I'm first sorry. discover him? Yeah. I told you about Sherman Hemsley, right? Yes, I know. I already know. I didn't, I didn't been around Freddie. I thought he was Sherman, too. Let's go. <laughs> Freddie, same way. Yes. Yes. A party. Oh, Everywhere. wow. That's how it was. I, I remember one time, uh, we were in the studio, and he was going to come around to my house, you know, for a break, just, you know, fill a little bit. So I got dressed up. I forgot what I had on, but I had to get him, you know? Mm-hmm. Show out. <laughs> so I opened the door and it was so he, he was so shocked. He fell down on the uh the hallway floor laughing. I said, now what was the outfit? Do you remember? I, I forgot. It was some crazy uh. something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Nobody else would see this but you know him and me. Yeah. Where's Freddie Jackson from? He's from New York, right? Of course. Oh, that's that's too much. Okay, all right. But uh, but he likes to uh, keep it in in dark. He's he's a darker. He could probably do stand up if he wanted to. That's his real personality. He's always laughing, and of course, you know, (laughs) he could sing anything he can hear. Right. (laughs) So wait, I'm gonna ask. Can I just ask the question that some of the '80s babies might want to know? I'm sorry, I don't know if this is touchy, but were he? And Luther, I knew you were going to ask this question. <laughs> well, or was there beef? Oh, oh. because we it, we grew up thinking it was beef. I was going to say, like in my mind, I uh, felt like there's some Pac Biggie yeah. tension going on. Yes, like, yes. Who's going to be the king of the hill? Yeah, of- yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think they were friends, but I think it was just like a, a, a lively, uh, um, friendly competition, especially on Freddie's part. Mm. Because Luther was the man. Luther is the man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he yeah. has his own spot. Yeah, true that. So I'm sure everybody would want to aspire to that. But that's just my humble opinion, because I don't really know. 
what was the relationship like with uh with you with like hush and capital i remember i, I was watching um some years back i think i was watching freddie's unsung and he was talking about how his records were like going crazy and the people at capital didn't they had no idea like they didn't even they were just so unaware of what was going on in black music at that time that when his record kind of took off it you know well, they, they weren't prepared for it yeah they weren't prepared it wasn't only what was going on in black music our company became really uh an adjunct to, to the record company we were the mm. ones that started street promotions with the mm. posters gotcha and actually work in your own uh, record in your in your own areas and hiring your own um, um, marketing people and your own um, salespeople. Gotcha. Mm. Mm. Of course, they your own street team. You know what, what you going to say when we give you a hit? <laughs> Do you find that that it's harder harder to be both artist and artist manager? Yes, I because I know artist. it involves a lot of babysitting and. Jedi mind tricks and yeah, but you know what? Uh, I think I'm naturally a mentor, so I can't manage. That's this whole skill that I don't really have, and I don't think I have a real great interest in it. But I'm always interested in um, showing you and opening the way. Like for instance, um, when uh, we took Freddie on the road with me, and he was my opening act. I didn't let him open for me. I put him in the middle of my show, introduced people to him, and said to him, "As soon as he starts singing, y'all gonna start screaming. So I'm gonna tell you who he's." Who he is now? His name is Freddie Jackson. <laughs> Put him in the middle of my show instead of trying to make him feel all that pressure when you're first trying to get out there. Yeah. So I'm naturally, I think, a mentor. I'm not a manager. No, nah, and that is a difference. There's a distinction. I, I, I understand exactly what you mean. I, that makes sense. Have a lot of other singers been coming to you for like mentorship throughout the years? I was curious about that, especially with all with the voice stuff. Um. Well, I think. They don't come to me because, you know, I have a team of people and they, they deal with everything. And so they don't come to me. But whenever I have an opportunity, thank God people are interested on um, interviews. People want to know, well, how do you do this? And how, what would you tell somebody else? And so in that, that way, I can, I can offer, you know, information or suggestions. Even better. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. 
Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The Nick's anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Nick's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to Nick's leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. You mentioned uh, Melissa Morgan was also part of that stable, correct? Yeah. I again, this these are. I'm just asking because again, like, there's just a a, a period between '82 to probably '92 of a bunch of artists that, you know, there wasn't social media out back then. There wasn't mm, anything right, right. unless they were in Jet, Soul Train, or Ride On <laughs> magazine. You really didn't know, or Ebony, you really didn't know about them. Um, could, what was uh, Melissa like in working? How did she become part of the, the stable? Once again, uh, Hush signed her as an artist. Mm-hmm. And so their relationship with her was with her. But um, Melissa and I have become friends. Okay. And um, she, well, what can I say? She likes me. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> So, I mean, when I had difficult times, she's like, well, Melba, do you need a ride? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I help you, you know, where are you going? You know, she'll she probably find out and see how I am or whatever. Just, we've just been friends, you know. And we've, we've done some shows together now that I have uh, another manager. And, um, you know, we are, can do shows ourselves and say who we want to be with. We often work together. We've been in the okay. UK a lot, you know. Oh, dope. And you know, when when the when the when the iron was hot um, in that period in the eighties, did you think about making uh, a return to your other to the other uh, arenas that you were in, as far as like your acting and and plays and whatnot? Well, um, yes, I I made. My then husband <laughs> put Pearly on videotape. Okay. Well, only thing I've seen on video, I'm sure the others, is Hamilton since then because it's still not a common thing to, for people to do. Oh, okay. So that was unusual back then. Wait, were you involved with the, what was your involvement in, all right, this is a deep one. Are you guys Uh-oh. familiar with Death by Temptation? <laughs> yes. yes, I was. Wait, yes, wait, yes, wait, wait, wait. Death Remind by Temptation. Me. All over you by Freddie Jackson. Um, yes, yes, that yes, was yes. a joint, but it was the joint with uh Kadeem Hardison and Bill Nunn. Yes, yes, and uh, and James Bond the third, James Bond the third, yeah, <laughs> on the third, right? He created that, yes. Oh, yes. wait, he created Death by Temptation, okay? Yes, he, he wrote and produced that. Well, we produced it, Hutch produced it, 
That was I was going to say, movie. were you the producer of the film as well? Or Yes. Wait. Okay. Wait. You know, what was that like stepping into film and like producing your own film? I mean, yeah. that's a lot. We were really Yeah, because we started time. to learn how to try to promote it and get it in theaters. And so I started to get into that. But uh, <clears throat> my whole relationship with my then husband and, and uh, Hush Production broke down shortly after that. So. Oh, man. What, uh, what led to the breakdown, in your opinion? I don't think I should say. Not with not the not with the daughter sitting there. She like uh, mama. Or, uh, mm. Mama or uh, not right. today. <laughs> not today. Okay. All good. All good. All I good. love you, Lion. <laughs> I, I, I can already hear and feel. Let me ask, cause we in the nineties now, but but let, not only that, you know, we're coming back trying to be uh, um, mend um, our ways and and be better. Yeah. Yeah, and, and move and on. Heal. No need to yeah, revisit. And it's such a different place now, and I think because of the COVID and everything around the world stopping, we do have a chance to start over and maybe the playing field will never be even, but we've all grown so much. We have a chance to try to start over. So we're trying to really do that. That's real. That's facts. But, but that period is when you credit, like things went bad. And then, cause I think you said something early on where you were like, my, my career fell, it fell down or something like that. And then you, that was, you said that was the first time. So you can reckon, oh, right. That was, that was before this time we talking about now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, look, this is okay. All right. Well, one thing I've gotten very good at is falling and getting back up. Child, speaking of that, that's inspirational. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, but you got to work out. See, you got to be. Nah, you look amazing. Like you've really. Yeah, I wasn't gonna be in your business, but I was about to ask about your moisturizer. I was <laughs> not sure. Because <laughs> you said you don't eat no. Fr- I was like, is that not the the fried foods? If I didn't eat fried foods, is that what I would end up looking like? That okay oh, like, you, like you did when you were 20 yes. something? Okay, can you can she answer that, daughter? Yes. Yes. She says yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm waiting. Well, <laughs> you know, um, massages and heat and, and um, nice creams and stuff, you know, and masks and and exercise the face and exorcise, you know, like exorcism. Yes, oh, my wow. mother. So, oh, because my mother always said you're supposed to do E I O and all. Of oh, yeah, you have to exercise it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. people don't know that. Okay, so. Oh, now, that's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a mirror. You got to so you know black don't crack, but it can rust. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you got to take away the little crumbs of rust sometimes. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but can oh, we okay. can we talk about 1987? Because is that when Lay Miz? When did Lay Miz? Yes. Uh, and, yes. Uh, that's <clears throat> no. Les Mis was, I thought it was later. Was it later? I think it was, think it was later because... Um, or 90, 1990. Well, it was around that time, a little mm-hmm. bit later, because that's the time then, then I lost my family and uh, Hush and all of that, and I really was homeless. Oh, wow. But, you ever heard of Mac, my, uh, Michael Matthews? Michael, Michael Matthews. Matthews. No, you don't look so... Quizzical, because we, no. we, okay. we want to know. <laughs> Educators. Well, he created the gospel musical that Tyler Perry has taken to the lengths that he has. Oh, okay. The first one that Tyler did? No, oh. Michael Matthews did the first. Okay, that's what I'm. Okay. The very first gospel. Okay. Ah, gospel. Play. He pioneered the, the gospel. Play. Play. Yes, he pioneered okay. it. And what he did was he went to the churches around the major um, cities that had black populations. And uh, he sold to them, so that's that's why we have gospel plays because they're from, they're, they the audiences were the church, and so uh, 
by the time I met M Michael, uh, I was just about to be evicted. Uh, my daughter had run away. I didn't know where she was because of all the trouble that was going on. Mm. I uh, uh, found out that that I was divorced and I had to go figure out all that stuff. But uh, um, Michael had called me and invited me to come out to St. Louis, I think it was. He was doing one of his plays. And it's this huge, like 2,000-seater, 3,000-seater theater. And it was jam-packed. No, none of the black people knew his churches. So he, not, he learned, he figured out how to market the churches mm -hmm. and fill them up every day of the week. Oh. And so what he did then, he said, these incredible actors and singers that he had put into that he showed them musicians. That's where Mary and Mary came from. Mm. Oh wow! Now you know they're bad, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Why? And the one of them that's married to the piano player. He was a piano player from Warren. Michael. Not Warren Campbell. I can't remember his name. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Baby Doug, Warren Campbell. But uh, to give you the, uh, an idea of the quality of the music and what we were doing, what was raw. And uh, um, I came out to start, he was bringing stars into those incredible companies. Which mm -hmm. they do. Okay, yeah. So, so, so actually that's how I really began to, to learn how to sing gospel because I'm Catholic. Oh. <laughs> but opera though. Well, no, I opera. I, I, I was born doing that. I had to learn how to sing gospel. Wow, okay. Wow. Reverse. Wow. What was, what was the question? Oh, I, I was asking about Les Mis, but... Oh, 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 okay. So, um, so I was telling you about that. But then um, I didn't have anything, so I was trying to write a play where I could be the star so I could get up and get some work. But Richard J. Alexander, who casts Les Miserables, was in this little town called Hollywood, Florida. He came to see my play, and he didn't know I could sing classical music because you don't sing classical Imperly. Right. Mm -hmm. It would be great for Les Miserables. That's how I got it. Man. You know, you, you mentioned you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to ask. So, you know, in 2020, a lot of people in our profession in entertainment, um, especially in March, I'm one of them, uh, was definitely panicking. Uh, because, you know, a lot, a lot of artists didn't know if they were coming or going, you know, this is how I make my living. And, you know, that, so I personally went through about a good six to seven weeks of just straight up, like panicking. I'm about to lose everything. But, you know, so I will say that it takes a steady mind to navigate, uh, yourself out of that situation. How were you able to the first the first time around when you were about to lose everything and sort of not knowing where your career was going to go? Like what? How was your mind state in that keeping slow and steady to get to uh, a greener pasture, if you will, or a safer space that you could still be in? And like how how were you able to to mentally overcome that i don't think i overcame it i don't i don't think i was calm and settled i was depressed mm. i was oppressed repressed I was desperate yeah but i, th I believe you overcame it because you're here 
speaking with uh, us yeah, right yeah. now and you were, you know, yeah. so, but just at the time, what I was saying was that after two months of just, oh man, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to lose everything, I'm going to lose everything. Then I just yeah. had to stop, sit silent and, and restart all over again. Like, you have to, you, you, you have to, there's really nothing else you can do, but I'll tell you the part of, um, I've always had help with people who came to my aid, even going through the uh, uh, Grand Sister Station, people giving me hand uh, money. I mean, I was embarrassed and ashamed because they knew my, wow. my story, but people came to my aid. And one of the things I guess is outstanding for me about going on the road with uh, Michael Matthews and the, uh, uh, the, the, um, the gospel shows is they really were saved people. All they did, <laughs> as I found out I was saved, <laughs> he invited me to come out on the road but all, right. I, I remember the first rehearsal. Uh, what, what's Deacon's last name, Charlie? Jackson. She said, good morning, saints. Praise the Lord, everybody. I said, oh, my God, I don't want to die. Because everybody around me was always cussing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh. And, you know, and Michael, would, they would pray beforehand. And sometimes I would be just so broken. I, I'm sure I, I didn't cry or anything, but I was because... I was too numb. I, I didn't. I would just sit there, but mm. there was somebody would come and sit by me, maybe come to my room and just be with me. You don't have to talk. And I know I, w- I was spiritually oriented, but to be dropped into that, and then you kind of discover what's going on and what is is saving you. And uh, um, you you know Charlie Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, but his, absolutely. His, his brother Ronnie Wilson was was on on the road, and we used to call him Elder Bishop. <laughs> oh wow! He's, well, he's he's hilarious, but yeah. they're saved people. This is what they do. This is how they live. Hmm. Um, um, and of course, all the shows were about family in different situations. Some of them kind of raw, but the whole point was you need Jesus. Hmm. But that's really what I am and who I am. Mm. What happens is I can go back and tell you some of these incidences that um, it never occurred to me to do anything harmful to myself, but I was numb. I couldn't think or figure anything. But someone always came and said, well, what about this? Well, how about this? Well, you need this, you know, or like, like Michael didn't know what was going on with me. But as it turned out, that's why I know there's, you know, no co- coincidences or accidents. Mm-hmm. He put me on the road with him just when I was going to get evicted. And um, I had filed bankruptcy, so I didn't even have a bank account. But he paid me $7,000 cash every week. My only problem was how was I going to carry it in the paper back, especially with all them singles. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But that's the truth. You know, when you, and you, it was my first time going on a tour, any kind of a tour. So you're riding along the highway in these big, um, you know, travel tour buses, mm-hmm. and the bus driver, he prays before we go. No, I'm just serious about it. And uh, um, just, just an amazing presence. I can only say it's the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, however you yeah. can describe it, or I'm, I'm not so good at describing it all the time, but I know. You just are in, you're not by yourself. You might think you are. <laughs> no, I feel it. But you're not. Actually, actually, speaking of which, I totally forgot to mention, uh, we should note that you were part of the ensemble cast of uh, The Fighting Temptations. 
<laughs> yeah, she was. I, no, that's I, a gospel show. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. What, what was it like uh, doing that production? Beyonce and Cuba Gooden Jr., right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Cuba Gooden, Mike Epps. Well, first of all, the OJs. I wasn't going to the, uh, the OJs. No, the OJs, Mike Epps. Several wonderful, all of them wonderful experiences, but um, I wasn't going to the movies or watching movies on TV, so I didn't know that Cuba Gooding Jr. was an acrobat. He, he was a oh. and He stood flat-footed and did a back over flip I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Nobody knew that. No, you all. Okay. Nah, we didn't know. Wait, you didn't, didn't know, know that Cuba. Y'all don't know about Cuba's mean, like, history. He's with a the... real acro. But you mean yeah, that? I thought y'all meant his flips. No. Yeah. He was. He was training to be in the Olympics. Like he. No. Uh, if you look at the. If you. If you look. Oh God, I'm really dating myself here. Uh, <laughs> Lionel Richie closed. Lionel Richie closed the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. And Cuba Gooding Jr. was he's sort of like the Alfonso Ribeiro of Lionel Richie's Michael Jackson uh, at the at the closing ceremonies for uh, the Olympics, wow. like tumbling wow. and breakdancing and all that stuff. Wow. So, <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> dude, we I'm telling you, we have to get Cuba on the show because he's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's he's a nice he's man. He's the craziest story I've ever heard in my like. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the most interesting people I know. It's like Cuba and it's, I'm saying to you too that you know they were nice people. And I, I would say about Beyonce, she made everybody look short and ugly. <laughs> wow. But, well, what you gonna do? <laughs> but I remember the last song uh, when the credits are coming down. She, <laughs> she and Angie Stone and I are strutting down the runway. You know, doing mm-hmm. our song. I'm acting like I could dance if I wanted to. No, but it was so. <laughs> Do do you remember the opening song that um, was, oh, Ann Nesby and Shirley Caesar are singing to me. You about to match. I I don't not remember. Now, if I used to tell you now, we watched that on the two of us. So that was I. Yo, I got, so wait, since we fast forwarded, uh, can I get the whole story to Let Freedom Ring um, from the song to the video to, can I just, can I get some Let Freedom Ring story? Can I, can I? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me see. Oh, Okay. I was on a sabbatical. I think I'd gotten sick and then I was, you know, just taking time off. And I was watching TV and I saw the NAACP awards and they were honoring Dr. Um, uh, Dorothy Height. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, who is that lady? I, I want to meet her. So I found out how to get in touch with her and I called her. And she said, why don't you come out uh, with us in the... Um, Black family reunions that we do. That's my dad has a picture of you and Dorothy Height. My dad's a photographer in D.C. He has a picture of y'all two at that Black family reunion. So you know crazy. I'm not lying, right? You're not lying. I was there too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was right, right. How were you <laughs> like yeah, at the time? Oh, oh, I mean, I was, you know, like one, six, seven, okay. eight. Okay. Right, okay. <laughs> Don't worry. She was younger than me. Wait. So I'm sorry. Uh, I started to travel with uh, Dr. Height and um, go to the the, the Breakfasts, and you know, we had people like uh, um, Maxine Waters and uh, you know, Alexis Herman and uh, Alexis uh, Herman. Wow, uh, I mean, I met Coretta Scott King. I read oh. that was at the Black Family reunion. The Jacksons came. Hey, this is crazy. I remember, yes, that's where I first met um, 
The Silvers? Uh, the Clark sisters. Clark sisters. Oh, wow. Okay. Who are, Same on, thing. Who are on Left Freedom, right? right. Okay, you tell them the story. Right, right, right. right. Well, they were on that, but yeah. they were performing at one of the uh, enemy reunions. I said, oh, my God, what was that? That's how it was. It was so exciting. She says, well, <clears throat> Melba, you should sing something at our, at, at our breakfast meetings or, or some of our meetings. Why don't you sing the New World National Anthem? I didn't know we had one. It out. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, more. Wow. <laughs> I, oh, I, I found out about it, <clears throat> and I was with Capitol Records at the time. So uh, I went to our A&R person, and who was with the label at the same time was BB and CC One. It was yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That a gospel artist was uh, uh, on a regular label. And um, he went and got BB Winers for me. Mm. And Bibi got everybody else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bibi got everybody else from Dion to I'm trying to remember Take Six. Bibi Wonder, D Wonder, yeah. um, Howard Hewitt, uh, Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown, like that was Bobby Brown. Yes, and he was the green <laughs> girlfriend screen. era, girlfriend era. Because <laughs> obviously Bobby didn't make it to the day of shooting. He was the one of the only ones with a green screen. Right, Mel. I'm guessing, right, Melba. How did you? I don't know. That? I wasn't there when they did. You know, a, a lot of it. No, I'm talking about the video. Because, when y'all did oh, the video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bobby was on the I, green I, screen. I can't remember. Oh, take six. They have a new version. Take I think six. He just yeah. got a Grammy nomination for the recent recording of the Really? Movie. I think so. And who was the decision? Because I know that Jasmine Guy is dope in her album Ellie History, but who made the decision to have uh, to have her dancing in the video? And probably Debbie Allen. Right, because she direct did she direct the video? She directed she, it was her concept and she directed it. And um kind of think, well, I'm, I think I think Debbie was my understudy in Pearly. Oh, she was one of the lead dancers, you know, wow. she was dancing with uh, George Faison. Right, because she did the whiz. Before she, you know, she went all, did all those other wonderful things later on. Wow. Yeah. But that was her concept. And um we had Lou Gossett do the narration, but on the uh, audio version, it was Jesse Jackson. Oh man! Okay. Oh, okay. And we got permission from the NAACP. We didn't want it to be a money um, thing. We wanted to donate all the all the funds to NAACP. And it was my idea to have all of the different celebrities because I figured if I didn't know that we had a Negro national anthem, other people wouldn't know. They would think it was my hit record. So it was my idea to have. And I did, numbers. and I may have done that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's Melba's hit record. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was left for you to ring. I was like, that's not the way to, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, okay, before before I wrap, I, I got to know, I mean, because I have a lot, a lot of them. I mean, I could say Fallen or just a little bit more, Love Coming At You, but of your of your songs, of your arsenal, what songs are your personal favorites? Well, I don't have personal favorites. I have favorites that people like, and it, and their two favorites seem to be "Love's Coming at You" and "Lean mm-hmm. on Me." Mm-hmm. Even to this, uh, so when you perform that to this day, are you still as intense when you're performing it? Yeah, because for some, maybe it's because I'm still not really trained in a certain way. If I don't really focus and get everything out, I I still get so scared. Mm-hmm. To this day. Yeah, no, it never goes away. It's like I guess oh, it's that's a, a good thing. That, that means you still care. That yeah, yeah, you still I was care. Like, yeah, that's a sign of respect so. for the I think audience. So. 
I think so because you stop and you focus, you know, what am I doing today? This is not the same show you did before. And it's my thought, okay, because this is not something um, that's just naturally uh, okay. I have to take care of it. So I have to make sure right. everything is like I said, I, I could give you a run for your money for whoever is the fattest person you've ever seen if I didn't watch it. So I got to make sure I can still get them a clothes. I think, you know. <laughs> Wait, I was going to ask, like, have you ever been in a situation where you were hoarse one night or oh, unable yeah. to <laughs> kind of <laughs> had to slide yes. under the <laughs> slide under the bar? Like y'all sing yes. it. Y'all so you just Bobby Brown him. Y'all sing it. Okay. I see. <laughs> no, but so many so I many see. times I haven't had background singers, so nobody to lean on. Mm. So then, oh, what do you do? Okay. What, uh, you make sure you're uh, ready, but that's why you get scared beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> so now I know I'm going to get scared, so I try to prepare. Mm. Yeah, I assure you that her audience would just sing the 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 ad libs ver- verbatim. verbatim. <laughs> Before we go, can I ask, boss, because it's it's funny. We were talking about COVID and stuff, and I'm just curious, as for fans and stuff, we see you on D-Nice's show. We see you all around. How can people continue to, like, support you? I see you got a little poster back there that your daughter might want you to shout out. But, I mean, for folks who just want to support, since we can't come see you. Oh, she told me where I am. I'm Instagram. <laughs> he told me where I am. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram at number one more. Mm. I'm going to it right now. Okay. okay. And the website is melbamore.com. Am I anywhere Dude. else, honey? <laughs> I <laughs> love up. this. And what's your daughter's name? Charlie. C-H-A-R-L-I. Charlie. 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 Shout out to Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Shout out, baby girl. Hey. <laughs> shout out. Shout out. Um, I Yeah, I, I got to say that this this is definitely... One of the silver linings of of yeah. the the COVID era, yeah. um, because when I first saw you on on the scroll, I was like, "There's no way that that's actually Melbourne Moore. Uh, <laughs> no scroll? way possible." What do you, huh? What's the scroll? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. The scroll when 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 I'm DJing and I can see who's in the room in the comments, oh. and you get the comments, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, thank you." Yeah, I'm just you know this this is this is one of the uh, the 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 few bright spots of 2020, which mm-hmm. you know I can have a conversation and and link up with with my childhood heroes, and you're definitely a a, a hero, and I thank you for sharing your story with us on the show. Thank and, you, uh, thank you for everything we, that you've contributed. Like, just yes. yeah, seriously, yes. absolutely, flowers, flowers. flowers. Yes, These are your I'll flowers. take it, absolutely. but I'll, I'll say you know I've heard about you, Quest. And I was very, very much intimidated because you are a walking encyclopedia. And <laughs> no, I'm just a fan. I, you know, but fortunately, you decided to come in my lane, you know, and let me be comfortable. I really thank you for that. Because you, you could really take it somewhere else. I, I've seen, and I've seen, I've seen you play the drums. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I play a little yeah. something. I, I do a little something. A little shot in there. Yes, you do. I, I do a little something. <laughs> no, with, no all, all thanks to you, and I appreciate it. Um. Yeah. This. So this is one for the books, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Melba Moore on Quest Love Supreme on behalf of Fontigolo, uh, Sugar Steve, and uh, say goodbye, Sugar Steve. Thank you, Melba. I have the. I have your 1971 album. Oh, yeah. oh look at God. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> he doesn't say much, but you know it always counts. 
uh, Laia and uh, Ugly Bill. Uh, you know, it's the Team Supreme, and we will see you on the next go round. Of course, Love Supreme. Thank you. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. All right. Peace. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 